1: and the host of this show. A dynamic and highly intuitive storyteller, Deanne Estelle has worn many hats over her career and garnered expertise in all facets of the documentary genre, thriving in both the independent field as well as collaborative environments. Founder of Détemois Films, short films with big ideas, and Doc Dance Productions, LLC, she independently produces stories that promote the advancement of our individuality and global interdependence. Her past work, Sugihara Conspiracy of Kindness, about Japanese diplomat Chiyun Sempo Sugihara, tells the story of how one man can make a difference. The primetime PBS feature length was honored with the prestigious International Documentary Association Par Lorenz Award. Deanne current, currently works um, as is, her current work is Shadow Man and the story of Sammy Nestico, A Man and His Music. Sammy is a master composer, arranger, collaborator, educator, and Grammy-nominated even at 93 years old. He is a true inspiration and considered a national treasure. And, Carol, I understand that Sammy is the film for which Deanne had the Kickstarter campaign.
0: Yes, Claire. Deanne ran the campaign through from the heart, as her fiscal sponsor, and we're so honored to have you with us today, Deanne.
2: Well, the honor is for me, Carol. Going from a student of yours
0: to now being on Block Talk Radio is, is quite a thrill for me. I oh, see. we had so much fun in that class together. That was a lot of fun, Deanne, and you yes. made it so. Yes. Well, thanks to you. Yes. Well, we had. Uh, we have so many things to cover today. I want to, your brilliant Kickstarter campaign, your company, D and the short films that you're making, and in general, we want you to share your knowledge with other documentary filmmakers. So let's start with your wined, winning that coveted Père Lorenz Award. Tell us about that.
2: Well, this was, Pear Lawrence Award was quite a surprise for me, something I actually never expected. Um, it was truly, Sugihara Conspiracy of Kindness was truly my first independent film because I could not get my boss at the production company that I was working at to take it seriously or even to want to fund it. So I went independent and I took a 10 years, 10 years long journey to make film, a story about the relationship between the Jews and the Japanese, and really was two cultures I did not know anything about, so it took me a long time to get funded, to shoot the film, to finish it, and then I couldn't sell it, Um, specifically because of the content, talking about a Japanese hero was a very difficult uh, idea to pitch and sell, And um, when I won this award I was called by the IDA And I was told that I had won it And I didn't even know it was in And it's someone that uh, saw the film That had entered it So I had no idea And then I went Oh this is fantastic to be nominated It's so great But honestly to win is even (laughs) greater (laughs) And that changed the life of the film Once I received that award um, it really was the beginning of being able to get this film on
0: PBS. I really believe that. It, it
2: gave it a lot of credibility.
0: Oh, I'm sure it did, because everyone is after that award. And the fact you didn't even apply, somebody else did it for you. What a gift.
2: Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, she, she was on the board of the IDA at the time, and she was uh, on the committee. And sometimes what the committee does is if there's not a lot of application, they go out and look at films. You know, each each uh, jury member brings in ideas, and and I had had just a uh, a the final night of the Hollywood Film Festival at Premier Sugihara at uh, Paramount, and she happens to be there. That's how it all happened. So you never know where it comes from. Never know where it comes from. Imagine that but fabulous
0: right. You're right. Yeah. Well, that was a film that had to be made then. Well, now let's talk about your company, Dittemois Films, and what it does and share some of the interesting films that you're working on. So Dittemois
2: Film really uh, was born out of my own personal need um, because as I took your class several times, uh, one of the things that we learned is that we really have to create our audience. And as you know, I'm working on two film parallel, the Sammy story and Nellie Toll story. And I needed to build my audience. So I had to make short films um, for Facebook, for Instagram, uh, all these social media formats. And I started making them and posting them and getting a great response from it. And so it, it was my own, my own need. And then eventually what happened is um, I walked into a building one day and fell in love with the building, and I told the architect that I wanted to make a short film for them as a gift because they had just acquired this building. And we're trying to do something pretty extraordinary. So I made a short film called Rita House, um, which is a building that exists in, and it's quite successful right now. It's a co-working space. And I made a uh, a three-and-a-half-minute short film for them. And, again, it ended up in film festival, which I never applied to. I was invited to participate uh, to a brand-new film festival, which I knew nothing about. And the film has been in magazines and it's been. So for me, the key is fall in love if the story speaks to my heart. If I can do it, if I have the means to do it, I just do it. And then let the rest work itself out.
0: Wow. So you follow your instincts, number one, because you know yes. how much time and energy and creativity has to go into birthing a film like that. So 3 It doesn't matter if it's three minutes or 30 minutes. It's just don't get started unless you have that inner knowing that this is something you really want to achieve, right? That's
2: correct. And sometimes it makes no sense. Like sitting out of a conclusive kindness made no sense to make that film because it was a... I met the wife who lived in Japan, who didn't speak English. I had no contact in Japan. I knew nothing about the Japanese culture. I knew nothing, very little about the Jewish culture. So, you know, if, if, if intellectually I start adding it up. It never makes sense to spend 10 years of your life making a film that you don't know if you're even going to sell it. But it spoke to my heart, and I just knew. I knew I had to tell. It's kind of like a calling in a way.
0: I just knew mm-hmm. to do it yeah well, um talking about the short films like the Rita House that you made i yeah. I see them as becoming really important in the future, becoming more and more prevalent and i 've been watching some of these short three ten minute uh documentary films, and I really love them and people's attention span is getting shorter and shorter, you know, so i think there'll be uh, doc, short docs will be in demand soon. What do you think?
2: I agree. I totally agree. And you know, they kind of always existed. Uh, when i was the chair of the IDA, we used to put on this program called Docuweek, which would qualify film for academy consideration, and short was part of this. And they were always there, and but there was there's no mean of distribu- There were no mean of distribution at the time. It's like you know, um, putting an eight minute film on television or in a the theater um, was not very popular. But now we have all these alternative uh, access to screening film, and you know, taking a break and watching a ten minute film for me during the day is it's, it's like very rewarding, especially if the film is good. Uh, and then there's New York Hop, Hop Doc, and all these different streaming capability that really caters to short films. So yes, if you have a story and you can tell it in a short time, then I would say do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's right, and that's what your new company is all about. So because it's all about storytelling, and that ability to tell stories becomes paramount when you shorten the time of the documentary, right? Yes,
2: and it's like, um, you know, in, in the long form, you're allowed to put a lot of whistle and bells and build bridges and let the narrative breathe. But in short film, you have to get right to the heart of the story. If you can had whistle and bells and entertain us at the same time, fantastic. But you really need to focus. It's, it's forcing you to really, really tell a story in a very short window of time. And it's a great exercise. Really a great exercise,
0: yeah. Yes, it is. I think for filmmakers it is because this makes you focus on the story more than anything else. You have to have a really good, engaging story. And and the truth is some stories aren't worth uh, 120 minutes of your time. I agree. Um,
2: When I watch features, uh, I would say 75 to 80% of the time I go, this is so fantastic, but boy, could it have been shorter. And, you know, right. we're storytellers. Look, we're storyteller, and we love to tell stories. But sometimes we get lost in our stories. We we kind of take roads that, you know, doesn't advance the narrative. So to to train yourself to tell a story in a short period of time is a, is really a great exercise. As a matter of fact, this is I'm going to approach the, this long feature that I'm cutting right now, is by creating yes. a string of pearls of short stories and then string them together.
0: Wow, that's a brilliant yeah.
2: idea. Yeah, because I'm good at it, you know. I mean, I mean, to think about cutting a 120-minute film is overwhelming. But if I think of it of this little story happening here and this little story happened there and just create them, and then, you know, I can build bridge in between, move them around. Um, but that's that's my approach to what's facing me right
0: now. <laughs> and Great. I know I'm good I at do. it
2: so it's giving me confidence
0: yes that's the secret the whole secret mm-hmm. now yeah. um see i think with uh that your new company is going to be in great demand because people and companies and nonprofits need short films for branding so yes, uh, tell us how people could reach you if they're interested in that well i'm um, Pretty
2: much. I have uh, my own website, which is my name,
0: diannestelvacari.com.
2: It needs updating, but it's there. Um, I also have Sammy's website, and I'm there. But basically, dogdanceproductions at at gmail.com. Anyone can reach me there. Or my full name, diannestelvacari at gmail.com. Okay. I'm very reachable. Yes. (laughs)
0: Okay, so now let's talk about the film Shadow Man, the Sammy Nestico story. Where and how did you find this film?
2: Well, again, um, lesson number two uh, stay open because this was an invitation that I got uh, from my husband actually to come and film. He called it Three Day in the Making of History. And it happened so that that was the same week as my opening of Sugihara in the theater. So my first response was no. My second response was no. But even quit. He kept saying, it's only three days. You know, can't you get a crew? I said, okay, so I don't even know who this man is, but I'll get a crew. I'll set them up on Monday, and then I'll leave. And I can still make my opening. Um, I went on Monday. I had the four camera rolling. Uh, I was the fifth camera because it was in a big recording studio. And the magic was so palpable in that room, on both sides of the room, that I never left. And I missed the opening of Sugihara. (laughs) Oh, no,
0: you did. After all those years working on that film, that's 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 incredible.
2: incredible. Yeah, but you know, I realized it was time to move on. And, um, uh, not only was time to move on, but the subject matter was so, for me, spiritually uplifting. The music was so healing. He is, a, you know, a life a life force that is so amazing that I decided this is where I need to be. And I just stayed, and I filmed for four days, and I uh, have incredible footage. And really, that was the beginning of our journey for Sammy and I, which was 16 years ago.
0: Carol, did I lose you? Yes, I'm right here. I'm just saying okay. you—you've been part of his life for 16 years, and that's yeah. fabulous. And you followed yeah. him around with your camera and gotten all these uh, events that happened. Yeah. Well, he's
2: when I when I filmed him, he was 77. So you know, his career, even though he, this event was huge for him because it began uh, uh, basically 16 years of very, very prolific um, musical achievement for him in his career. Because from this point on, he not only was in the shadow, but now he started doing his own thing. So whenever he had an event, of course, I would figure out a way to get there and pick up the camera and follow him. And yes, I pretty much have been all around the world with him to Japan, to Germany, uh when he even went back to his homeland in Italy, which he had never been back, and shot it like a home video, you know, to document his, his return to his roots. And uh, I just stopped filming two years ago, and now just realized He is 94 and after this Kickstarter campaign and the interaction he had on Facebook, the impact social media had on him, he decided to go back to writing again and uh, I have to film again. (laughs) I'm not done.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, He's going back to writing Uh, books, you
2: mean? He started writing again after the Kickstarter and after his interaction with people from all around the world because of Facebook, which, you know... Um, he never knew about before, he had never used Facebook. We figured he probably was the oldest person on Facebook and Kickstarter. So every weekend I went down there and he answered question and responded to comments. And uh, when we ended, he called his publisher and said, if I started writing again, would you publish it? And they were ecstatic. They said, are you kidding? <laughs> so he's writing again with one eye. Uh Arthritis in his fingers. I mean he's just it's taken him a long time but he's doing it.
0: This and is been, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, tell us where you are in production and what uh was the reason for running the Kickstarter campaign.
2: Well, because I had a seventy seven year old subject who went up in his eighties and his nineties, I couldn't get funding, um, honestly from the traditional uh, way of selling film. First, I'd get, you know, well, he's not an American master. Who is he? And I'd say, no, he is an American master. But it, it was not, it was not a road. It became very evident that it was not the road I needed to take. But so we self-funded the film over 16 years by borrowing camera, uh, begging for mileage, but, you know, staying in dingy hotel room. But we did it. And uh, we got it. We documented it. And then I'm at the point now where everything is organized, everything is on drive, everything, most of it is transcribed. And I still need to do some interview, but I stopped interview because I wanted the narrative to uh, be structured in the narrative to see who else I need to go get. Because there's so many people that will give me an interview on this. Um, So I decided to take the plunge, and as scared as I was of um, Kickstarter or Indiegogo, I decided it was time to give it a shot, and uh, I'm really glad I did,
0: really glad I did, yeah. Well, I know it was a lot of work, but let's start with, uh, first of all, we recommended uh, someone for you to work with who was a specialist on Kickstarter. And, and you know, let's start with you having to learn and work with another person when you're a self-starter and a person who knows what they want and just takes the camera and go goes out and gets it. So having to deal with uh, another person telling you what to do and when to do it and how to do it. How did you handle that?
2: Um, well, it, it happened early in the camp. Actually, it happened before the campaign because I did sign, uh, you know, because of your recommendation and having a couple of uh, conference call over the phone with this gentleman. I decided to sign him on, and I put my deposit down, and and then things changed a little bit, um, and I had to realize that. As creative as we are as filmmakers, and as uh, desperate we are for funding to continue. Yes. And for me, Sammy's 94. I mean, I'm against the clock, right? Um, it doesn't mean that we have to go at it in what's the I say? I mean, we have to go at it with power, meaning, I've worked on this for 15 years, this is my subject. This is a very special uh, story, and really you're not doing me a favor. We're doing each other a favor. So I'm handing you a national treasure. You're going to help me get money for it. And once you, know, once you meet halfway and not one over the other, I think that's where the key to success is. Uh, this gentleman was all about money. Uh, creativity was, well, it's great if it's there, but if it's not there, Who cares? Let's go get the money. And for me, it was all about creativity. Because that's all I've done with Sammy for I don't put anything out there that I'm not happy with because it's his name on it and it's my name on it. So I had to readjust. I I had to make um, an adjustment and um, really think about how to go about this and how to include you know, bring him in into the, the story and uh, expose him to Sammy, actually. That's what the first thing I did is I brought him onto a, a birthday event. We launched with a birthday party, and I brought him in, and that changed the course. That changed everything. Once he was in the room with my subject and realized, um, you know, who he is and the love that surrounds him, I think it changed. It really changed uh, his approach. And we
0: we made, were a great team till the end. Oh, that's fabulous. <clears throat> and I understand that your video on Kickstarter was one of the most watched videos. Tell us about your trailer.
2: That's what I was told, you know, But I because I think he's the oldest man on Kickstarter. He was the oldest subject on Kickstarter. And we even posted a video of him watching Kickstarter on the, the Watch watch it on the um, computer, and I filmed it on my iPhone, and we posted it, and people just loved it. I mean, it was a whole world opened up to him at 94 years old. He had no, I remember saying to me, how are you going to get this money? Where are you going to get this money? Are you sure you want to do this? He could (laughs) not understand the mechanic, I mean, let alone me understanding it. He certainly could not wrap it around his brain what was about to happen. And then every $10,000, he'd say, oh, I'll feel a lot better if you hit 10. I'll feel a lot better if you hit 20. And then when we <laughs> finally hit 60, he called me. I was out of town. And he called me and he said, I don't believe this. How did you do this? I said, well, you, you were there every step of the way. You know how we did it. Uh, yes. So,
0: oh, well, know, it's shocking. Uh, you know, I uh, all the years that you've been working with him, and and you really have paid for everything yourself, and finally to go out there and bring in the money and see it like a ticking clock with the money coming yeah. in on a daily basis, he must have yeah. been thrilled.
2: He was. I mean, he was watching. First of all, he was watching the uh, the pitch three, four times a day, his wife would send me a picture of him sitting at the computer and watching it, you know, and, <laughs> and then he would, re- he would go on Facebook, and even though he couldn't answer the, um, what people were sending him, he would read them, and it's kind of like, think about it, you know, you're 94, you just had a stroke, you basically have been pushed aside by society because you're an old person now. And the whole world, you you realize the impact your work has had on the whole world through a social media. I mean, it was just, it's just been like, it's been amazing for me to watch. It's been quite a gift, actually.
0: Yeah. He didn't realize the uh, impact he'd had on uh, students because, and we have to tell the audience that he's written a lot of books that are taught in schools, yes. right? Yeah,
2: yeah. He, um, listen, Carol, I'm the filmmaker, and I didn't realize the impact he had. Uh, you know, I mean, I knew how important it was because I've hung in there for 16 years, but to the level that we discovered through this campaign, I mean, I have a whole new audience I didn't even know I had, you know, that came. To so build it and they will come, my God. Yeah. It's a proof of it. I built it and it came. And... Um, it, he has written over 600 composition in school for school students that are published all over the world. So he, he, like you said, you know, I just did my job and I did it the best I could and I sent it out there. And you, we don't know. I mean, that goes for filmmaker too. We don't know the impact we have on humanity um, when we make our film. We really don't know. I mean, you know, we, we sometimes struggle and we don't make a sale and uh, our film kind of live on their own somewhere, but to to find out in 144 days <laughs> how big your impact has been, has been life-changing for him. That's may fantastic. It happen to all, yeah, may it happen to all of us, you know, because it's a hell of a way to exit to, to get that acknowledgement. Yeah, I did it. Yes.
0: Yes, he's he knowing I, what they think of him while he's still here, and and it's through yeah. your film and your intent. And you drove down there and sat with him and did the answers for him on Facebook yeah. for many days, right? It, from Thursday to Sunday
2: throughout the entire campaign, I was there every weekend. And actually, now I have to go every other week because there's been a big withdrawal of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But now it's okay because I have to do all these rewards and he has to sign things and he, you know, he wants to be part of it. So I'm going down there on Thursday
0: night. (laughs) Oh, how lovely. Um, Now let's go over some of the pros and cons of running a campaign because I remember when you were 11 days from closing and you needed about $10,000 to hit your goal and we talked about it and, um, and it seemed at that point like it was it, we needed a miracle for you to get over that number. So what did you do?
2: Well, a miracle I did get. We had 11 days left and you and I talked um, I think it was um, let's see yeah, it was 11 days before the end of the campaign and we were $10,000 short. And for me was to to sound funny, but for me at that point was to surrender um, because it is a marathon it's a day to day marathon and you as a filmmaker and as a storyteller we have to be involved. We just can't hand it over to the money man uh, as much as the money man knows about money, we know the heart of the story, so it has to be a, a constant back and forth and I had someone helping me, and the two of us just fed him every day. We said, like, actually, I would try to do it a day ahead of time, that I would have feed him stories and posts and images, and we would talk about it. He would ask me a question. I'd tell him a story. And it was exhausting. It really was. um, I think we talked on the, I think this is what, maybe a month into the campaign. Yeah, it was a month into the campaign. A month and a half into the campaign. And I was cried. Honestly, I really was <laughs> cried because watching that, having that clock behind your head ticking all the time, day and night, is nerve wracking. So, two things I did I surrender, um, I let it go. I knew I had done my work. And I prayed, you know, I just prayed for a miracle. And I said, you know, if this is meant to be, it's going to be. My biggest fear was for Sammy more than me. I knew I could handle a campaign that wouldn't succeed. I just didn't want to do that to him uh, because his face was out there and his name was out there and his reputation was out there and that's exactly what happened. Because he was out there, the little people out there did not want it to fail and it's something I never counted on. Um, It didn't happen because of me. It happened because those people would not let us fail they just went. and from uh, being $10,000 short having 11 days left within three days that $10,000 came in wow that's yeah. incredible and it's truly a miracle so now we had eight days left we had reached our goal and we needed to. We decided to do two stretch goals. And again, the same thing happened. And I wouldn't watch it. I would not look at the numbers anymore. I'd just let it go because everybody else was watching. All I had to do was read my text, <laughs> and I'd get a text daily from someone that say, you're so close, you did this, you did that. So I wouldn't watch it, and I would let Howard do all the work. Uh, I would keep feeding him, you know, pose. Amy and I, actually, would come up with some ideas about what was his audience. So now I knew he had the pulse of the audience, and he really got into it. Um, And we just let, we just, I just let it go, because if I had, I couldn't force it, um, I would have driven myself crazy.
0: No. This is where you used your power, which is your artistic power, to connect Sammy to the people on your Thursday through Sunday chatting online that must have done that's it. it that's it yeah
2: and we didn't stop we just till the end i mean now we took a long break and we kind of are starving them in a way but um because they're saying hey we haven't heard from you are you okay so i have to do a pose <laughs> and let everybody know that we're just so deep into fulfilling rewards and interviewing assistant editor and you know it's um Taking a break in terms of social media, but we'll get back on it again.
0: Um, right. Well, b- yeah. because running this cam- these campaigns is so stressful, how did you calm yourself down to focus?
2: Well, I have um, I have a, r- a routine that I do. Actually, it was a short film I made <laughs> called um, Vessel Building, and Vessel Building is simply like a 15 to 20 minute energy regimen that balances my chakra that clears blockage uh, in my meridian and it stretches my muscle and I meditate um, or you can call it pray or you know and I try to do it consciously meaning that I don't wait till I'm sitting somewhere on a chair to close my eyes because when I did that, it never happened. So now I try to like catch even a minute at the market, just still myself, you know, just observing, breathing deep, and that's what I did. I was <clears throat> when I reached my goal actually, the first goal. Um, I was standing in the pouring rain, waiting for my granddaughter to come out of school, and it was so cold. And my phone, and I was. Breathing, and I was meditating to calm myself down because I I thought I had gotten there late, and I wasn't late, and I had time to wait. So I just kind of centered myself and uh, planted my feet on the ground and started breathing deep. And then my phone started beeping, and there was all these red balloons that were coming out of it, and I I couldn't even figure out what this was. was what is mm-hmm. this, red, this red balloon? And it was, my husband sending me red balloons because he was watching the clock more than I was, and let <laughs> me you know that we had reached our goal. You know, so and I oh. was in the pouring rain. I had a number, and how often does it rain in LA, right? And right. I thought, wow, it's just you know, it's just dripping money. Money's just dripping on me, which is
0: just catch it,
2: just catch it.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, so That's I a had wonderful one. I'd be more than happy to share that with people. There's a link where you can actually – there's a beta um, link right now. We're not 100% finished with the piece, but he released a beta um, trial that is on, uh, on the Internet right now that I'd be more than happy
0: to share. Oh, great. Okay, good. Yeah. Now, Tom I know you wanted the funds to edit Are you starting to edit with the funds? Because I know it wasn't enough for your original budget. Yeah. So,
2: yes. So, you know, we have all these points where we think we've arrived, and it's happened to me (laughs) many times during my career. It's like, oh, I finally made it. And that was my reaction when the Kickstarter ended was, oh, I finally made it. Now I can edit. And I start calling editors and got two that were very excited and met with them and, Then I started doing my budget because the reality of it is even though you raise 75, you don't get 75 because there's fees uh, to be paid. There's credit card fees and there's PayPal fees and there's, um, you know, um, this gentleman had a fee as well. And, I mean, there's many things that have to be paid before. And then there's the reward that you have to create, produce, and ship. And I have 511 donors that have taken rewards. So it's quite a wow. task. So at the time I'm getting done, I'm realizing I could hire an editor now and go for three months. And then what? Then I'm out of money, I don't have a film, and I have to start fundraising again. And God knows if this editor will be available uh, when I've got the money. So I was highly, highly advised. Um, by a man named Doug Doug Block, B-L-O-C-K who I met with last weekend at the um, Duck Camp Oregon and right. we spent half an hour together and he, he's a consultant for film and, you know, and helps filmmaker and he said you don't want to hire an editor now and I said why not <laughs> why not, I'm ready and we went through and I got oh my god I never thought of it, I never thought of the fact that you know, I'm going to run out really fast, and I won't even have a final product. I may have maybe a rough 20 minutes, but that's it. So I've shifted gear, and I'm hiring an assistant editor that's going to come in. I don't edit, by the way. So for me, editing is it's not something that I do myself, and it's something I want to do. This is where I stop. Um, so I hire an assistant editor It's going to come in two days a week, and in the meantime, the three other days, I am going to delve into 16 years of footage, which I don't remember what I shot 16 years ago. I don't remember what I shot 10 years ago. I know the event, but I don't know what I have. Right. Uh, because I've been so busy acquiring it. And even when we digitized it, you know, we put it into the machine and it just digitized onto the drive, we actually did not watch everything. So I'm going to spend the next three months uh looking at all the footage with the help of this young lady, fantastic. And we're going to start uh, watering it down uh, into really the the meat, the heart of the story, and building short sequence, short stories. Yeah. And fantastic. go
0: back into fundraising. <laughs> and go back into fundraising, yes. Get back out there, get the rest of the funds, because yes. the people know you now. They trust you. Yes. You're going to send them all the rewards they got and, and start all over again. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, it was a
2: safe number. The number was not uh, designed by me. I knew that I couldn't deliver a finished film with the money that we raised. Uh, it was Howard's decision to go for 61000 We end up with seventy-five, dollars uh, But it was his advice, and since he was the money man, I trusted him even though I knew that that would not get us where, where I need to be in the end. But um, it's more than I had when I started, let's put it that way.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. Yes, and yes. well, now you have all that experience, knowledge, confidence, and assurance, and you have found your market. So to, to go back for the rest of the money will be – its a, I know it's more work, but that's what has to be done. I think had you set the goal for what you really needed – you might not have reached it because in forty four days that you this is truly a miracle from going from a small group is all you had well, in the very beginning. You didn't have a large that, database, so you you've that, done a marvelous job
2: we had uh, We had built uh, on our own on my own. I had built a following of three thousand some people on Facebook by the time the campaign was done, we're close now to 7,000. So we're oh, wow. close to, yeah, we close, we basically have doubled our audience, our, our followers on Facebook, you know, and um, that's quite a lot because what happened is, it's worth, and now I'm still getting people saying, I just found out about your campaign. Can I still donate? Uh, it's not, it's not as, You know, they're not as fast to donate and they're not as quick to respond because there's no deadline, but I still get communication saying, you know, I can't believe I missed this. Can we still donate? Can I participate? Um, And I say, yes, please do. (laughs) This
0: is fantastic. Well, after all of this with Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. um, do you think it was worth it? I mean, I know there was a lot of work involved, but – based on the rewards and the work and everything looking back, what do you think? Would you advise filmmakers to do this? Yes, absolutely.
2: Um, you know, it, the, the beauty of it is that um, you can set your time. You can set the amount of time. You can set how much you want to raise. And um, get your subject involved if you can. You know, connect this subject to the audience. It's a so historical film. There's there's different approach, but if you have a subject, and this is what the key was for us, is that we connected Sammy to his audience and his audience directly to him. So there was no middleman for them to access him. You know, I mean, I got people in Russia that have never had the chance to talk to the maestro directly, and now there's communication through Facebook. As much as there's so much controversy about Facebook, I mean, it's... It's an incredible uh, tool to use when used well, and uh, any staying in communication with them. Not as, like I said, not not as often now, but because that could be a full time job for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but what how rewarding that must be for you to see him reconnect, come back to life, realize that life isn't over. He's got more to do. Yeah. He used to say to me the last two years,
2: you know, I can't stop dreaming about music. And I kept saying, well, that means that you're supposed to write again. And he goes, no, I'm done. I'm retired. I, I've written everything I'm supposed to write. I said, but you're hearing music. He says, I can't get, I can't get away from it. I said, well, then you're not done. You're not finished. <laughs> There's something else you need to say. There's you what know, I keep telling him about, you know, reminding him about Amadeus when he was on his dead bed writing still writing music you know i said you've got to finish it you're not finished yet and uh i mean just the fact that he's writing again to me is just it's incredible at
0: 94 it's just yes.
2: incredible yeah
0: that's wonderful yeah. well we're going to switch films now because i i also love the other film that you're working on nelly so tell us a bit about nelly and the and the neh grant that you just applied for so Nelly
2: Nellie, Nellie Toll, Dr. Nellie Toll, um, is someone who approached me again, it's not something I seek. Um, she saw Sugihara Conspiracy of Kindness in Florida at a at a museum down there and she contacted me in, uh, in two thousand and five and wanted uh wanted me to consider telling her story and I basically said, No, no, no. I'm <laughs> not making any more fanny there so I was not really interested in taking on another film, but she insisted and sent me her book called Behind the Secret Window. And it's basically the story of, uh, if you can imagine, Anne Frank uh, in in hiding during World War II, except she was alone with her mom, and for 18 months at the age of 10, she um, was hiding in a window cell for 18 months. And during that time, she kept a diary, a la Anne Frank, but she also created a body of 64 watercolor of an imaginary world. And that's how they kept her quiet. She painted. But any event that would happen that would scare her, would overwhelm her, or death would be at the door, she would turn it into an imaginative story of totally the opposite. And I think she created it, and it helped her survive. She's still alive. She's now 85. And uh, after I read the book, I saw it. I saw the book like in in an IMAX story. (laughs) I wanted to do an IMAX film. That was my first reaction because in 2006, it's the only language uh, I could use to express how I want to make this film. So the film now is turned into a nine-minute segment, three-minute film, again, short film, that travels with an exhibit of Nellie's work. And now we just applied for an NEH grant to do a virtual reality um, segment, a prototype of virtual reality that would travel to the kids, to the school, to the homeless shelters, to hospitals, to give kids the ability to imagine a better world for themselves, no matter their circumstances.
0: Wow. So we thought
2: that the NEH had... So uplifting. Uh, yes, yes. And that's what it did for me. Uh, even though the backdrop was the Holocaust, um, her story is so triumphant. It's such a triumph of the human spirit that this is what I wanted to promote. And um, the NEH just put out a grant application for... Research. One is research. One is prototype, and the last one is production. So we we have done the research because we've got the traveling exhibit. We've got nine minutes of film. Uh, We have we won best exhibition in the state of Ohio. We won best educational uh, program in the state of Ohio, two years in a row. So it's it's a winning combination. But it's I had to really think outside the box to make this one happen because again. Nobody wanted to hear about a film about the Holocaust. Or what I got to was, oh, you know, you'll get funded. Uh, you'll get funded. <laughs> yes. you know, people have not wanted to invest. It's like, oh, yeah, she'll get funded for this, a film about the Holocaust. But it's not. It really isn't. It's really an art piece and a, a story of the imagination. Yeah. So we've applied for the prototype, uh, which is the middle one. It's a $100,000 grant. Um, you know, which you have to match. So we had to bring it down because we didn't think we could match a hundred thousand. So we brought it down. And if we create the prototype and start traveling it, we got a bookmobile that's going to take on the VR. We partner with a lot of different association, and then we can apply for the production grant next year. So that that just is brilliant. Two weeks. Yeah.
0: But now, why why VR, why virtual reality for this film? Explain that to us. Okay, so
2: the statistics are that seventy six percent of children in this country never go to a museum, or it's financial, it's uh, time constraint, it's it's many reasons. As you know, the arts are being defunded slowly but surely. Uh, around the country. So I think we need to have alternative way of bringing the arts to young people. If it's music, if it's painting, if it's imagining, if it's reading. So we thought, um, how about we put the kids in Nellie's apartment? It's a lesson of history directly for them to be put in 1945, World War II time. It's a lesson of history. We put them into her ability to imagine and paint. So it's a story of hope for them. It's a story of starting to provocate their imagination, to use it in any way they can. It doesn't have to be painting. You know, she tells them to write, uh, write their story every day or uh, talk to someone about their story. Uh, it, it's, it's a lesson. It's le- it's a very well-rounded lesson for uh, young people to have access to something that they may not have access to. And VR travels with a computer instead of, you know, a goggle. It's a goggle. So it's not that expensive to do. And we'll test it in the state of Ohio with the bookmobile that goes from school to school. And then hopefully we'll, we'll mass produce it to, to reach to other states.
0: So the children would be in the little bitty space that she was yes. in.
2: Yes, they'll be in the apartment, they'll be in the confinement of the apartment that she was in. And but then they will also and they'll once that realization is you know, that, that space is created, they're immersed into that space, then we will put them into her imagination and her storytelling. So it's all going to be done through storytelling, but it's going to be done through you know, beautiful colors and a child's voice they can relate to. Um, And then they have, because we already have the educational uh, attachment to the exhibit, then the teacher can take that and teach them about the lesson of history Um, and current events. It's not, you know, it's happening everywhere right now for kids. So uh, that's the ultimate goal.
0: That is brilliant. Um, I can just imagine how many uh, children will be touched by that, and also just think of how you're going to open up young people's creativity with this. That's it. That's it. That's the goal. Yeah, that is the goal.
2: And it, you know, and we'll have her book is still being. Uh, I talked with the publisher. The hardcover is not published anymore, but they said if we had enough buyer, they would republish the book. But it's still available through Scholastic. So we're going to purchase the Scholastic book. And make it part of the bookmobile, so we will donate the book to the kids after they have this VR experience. Maybe you know. Oh.
0: uh, Oh my gosh! You put that in the budget then to buy the books to give away. Yes.
2: Yes. yes. I even work with the publisher where they would donate a certain amount, you know, of the book uh, to be distributed through schools. So if the kids are interested, they can read the whole story. And I interviewed some kid last year, she was speaking to school back here, and I went and I filmed it, and the kid said, they said, you know, it's one thing to read a book, goes in one year and out of the other, but to have this person in our room that lived it, it's a whole different experience, and that's when the VR becomes very uh, important, because you're basically, Bringing Nellie to them without Nellie going anywhere. I mean, let's face it, she's 85. She can go everywhere. But I will bring Nellie to them and her story to them instead of them coming to us. Like, again, build it, they will come. Same principle. And it's been a long process. I optioned this book in 2006, so it's not like, you know, it's not happened overnight. <laughs>
0: No, but perseverance really pays off with you. You you get a project and you're going to do it. For if it takes yeah. forever, you're going to do it and do it right. Yeah,
2: and this well, is where the you no know, choice becomes real important. You know, it spoke to my heart. It spoke. It it, it made me. It, my whole body was engaged. My mind was engaged. Again, it was like, oh, I have to tell. As much as I don't want to tell another story about the Holocaust, I have to tell this story you know so I'll, it's a calling really
1: it's a Certainly calling not
2: yes. to earn a big salary <laughs>
0: <laughs> well we don't know we haven't we're not in the final act yet so That's it. hopefully yeah. no, it will turn it turn all yeah. this uh, goodness yeah. back to you in many ways but let's uh, talk about uh, ideas that you can give documentary filmmakers on applying for grants? What would, be, uh, what would you say are the most important things when you start to apply for a grant? You've got to
2: start from the day the grant is announced because grant writing is about constant rewriting. Um, you know, write it, apply for it. First of all, they're, they are so uh, complicated Every one of them is different. Every one of them have different requirements. We uh, we had a real um, Get Real conference two years ago where all the grant, the grant writer came to Los Angeles, and we appealed to them to please make a standard grant application that we can all use. You know, once you've written a grant, that we can just reapply to other grants. But they haven't done that yet. And each grant has its own sets of rules and numbers of pages and budget demand. So the key is to start when it's announced and just keep redoing it, redoing it, redoing it, redoing it, because no matter how much time you give it, you're still uploading at the last minute. Um, and they're, they're complicated. I'm not a grant writer. I don't have the language or the affinity to write grants. So uh, this time we wrote it with the museum because they have grant writer on staff. Uh, and since the museum is our partner but we had to write all the narrative and we had to do the budget and uh, we had to feed them all the information so that the grand writer then can be um, can you know assimilate the whole pictures of what we were trying to do and that's the other thing is that as storytellers were if we're not grand writer get a grand writer and work and work with them I mean there's so much one person can do, you know, and I've had a hard time wrapping my head around this before because mostly because we never have funding. But sometimes a little funding or agreement with people can turn into a lot more funding. So um, same thing with the Kickstarter, you know, even though I didn't end up with 75000 I have a lot more now than when I started. Right. So it's about... Partnering. Partnering with people who really can advance the narrative and the, you know, the delivery of your film. And right. trust. You have to trust that you've made the right decision. And
0: That's the hardest part, is to surrender and to trust. Yeah. Very good. Well, one of the last questions here is, well, what do you think documentary filmmakers need to do to sustain a career in the documentary film industry? Oh,
2: we had a whole weekend discussion about this two weekends ago at Duck Camp. Um, Uh Because we're all, you know, the thing is we work in isolation, right? I work in isolation. I have my little company. Yes, I have my clients. But we need to gather more often, number one, because we're all in the same boat. And meaning that we can all help each other. And even if it's just moral support, because there's this period where you just want to quit. Uh, sustainability means, for me, is, and I've tried this, where I've just stopped making film and went and got a regular job. And I paid a high price for it because that's not what I'm supposed to do. Um, so I try now, and Moi Film was part of that, is that even though they're more, I would say, they're not my stories, there are other people's stories that I go capture and deliver uh, a piece that I'm proud of at the end you know just create uh, other other things within your filmmaking that, that can sustain you and that means sometimes taking a break stopping what you're doing moving on to something else of course if you can get a distributor or investors to pay for your whole film then just do it and sustain yourself that way but that For most of us, that's not the case. Um, We spend many, many years making film without seeing a salary. So you have to go out and create something close enough, or that's we're storytellers. So how do you tell? You know, how do you tell stories? Uh, My first career was designing clothes in Indiana. I was telling stories because each garment I designed had a story to tell. So. Just be true to who you are and somehow figure out a way to, you know,
0: support yourself as you're making your film. Well said. Thank you so much. Now tell us again how people can reach you. So it's my full
2: name, Deanna Stelvacari at gmail dot com
0: or Dog Dance Productions at gmail dot com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for all this incredible information. Uh, We all appreciate this. And And it's all about heart. This is all about your heart. You do things that you know you would love to do, that you feel called to do, and therefore you have the patience and the tenacity to stick with it for a long time to see it finished. Yeah. And it's
2: something that I questioned for a long time because I have documentary filmmaker friend who has turned out ten film in the period of me turning out two. You know? But <laughs> right. also pick you know, and I go, What what am I doing? <laughs> but at the same time, um pick subjects or I'm attracted to subjects that I've Long story and long journey to take Sugihar was 10 years. I've been on Sami for 16. Nelly is 10 years. So I'm now in Sami and Nelly are a very different stage of production, but uh, you know, it's still a lot of years to invest. And um, I'm not one that turns into film a year. That's not who I am. It's just not who I am. So maybe it will change. Who knows? You know, with funding, things, everything can change. With regular, consistent funding, everything can change.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. so there's, there's a future. <laughs> That's right. Oh, thank you so much for sharing this. And we want to know about your NEH grant application, so you have to keep us informed.
2: I certainly will. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Claire. This is
0: an amazing uh,
2: format, by the way. Uh, I listen to these uh-huh. blog rates all the time, and they're really great.
0: Oh, thanks. We appreciate it. It was a pure
1: joy to have you. Yes.
0: All right, Jan. Best of luck.
2: Thank you so much. Have a great week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: Be well. And I also want to remind our listeners that uh, we very much appreciate you joining us for the Art of Film Funding podcast. Carol and I really love creating it and making the latest information from the experts on film funding and filmmaking and film marketing available to you. We don't sell ads. So we rely on donations for all of the work and time that it takes to create this. And if you appreciate what we do and want to hear more podcasts, please consider making a donation to support us. From the Heart Productions is a 501c3 nonprofit, and donations are tax-deductible. You can donate on our website. On our menu under Blogs, you'll find a link to the Art of Film Funding podcast there, and that is where you'll find the latest episodes, and there you have the opportunity to make a donation. So thank you once again, everyone, and Carol, wonderful show as always. Be well, everyone. Take good care. and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com.